Welcome to Talking Giants! I'm your host... All right, I'm just kidding. Justin was like, hey, don't be so loud as in the intro. Um, but wel- welcome to Talking Giants. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Fennick. On today's episode, we've got Dan Duggan at The Athletic on. We talked to him for a good 40 minutes. It was a really good conversation. Do a little updates and some giant stories or days of our giants, whatever we're calling it. But Justin, how are you doing? How are you holding up on what, like day 12 or 13 of quarantine so far? I'm a boring person. I just compared Kevin Zeitler to Jesus. When you name drop, when you do a drop yourself, people are going to be like, what, what's going on? So people exactly. are going to be so super confused. I was about to explain. Two explain. new sound bites on the soundboard. I'm a boring person. I just compared Kevin Zeitler to Jesus. Probably some of the best podcasting that I've ever done. And I've recorded almost 200 episodes of podcasts between June of 2018 to now. Probably some of the best podcasting I ever I ever did with those two sound bites. Um, you want to toot your horn a little more, Justin? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Just anything I else do. that you think you're really good at? Well, I think I'm good at being in quarantine. This is actually like almost my third week, and I'm starting to get better. I'm still taking my naps. I'm not taking as many naps, but I'm starting to get a little bit more of a routine. And I'm I'm sniffing I'm sniffing draft content coming up, Bobby. I'm I'm sniffing it. One week from today, we will have our first draft preview up. So it'll be tight ends and running backs. Um, will be some later round guys because that's a position we're not going to draft early. But Justin, with this whole quarantine thing now, now Florida's not on a complete lockdown um, like New York, New Jersey is. And I just one, I've been aggravated with people saying these freaking millennials. What I'm telling you, it's the old people down here that are doing a, a far worse job of of quarantining themselves. But Publix, do you know what Publix is? No, is it Publix with an X? I have a feeling it's something strange like that. It's a staple of Florida. It's our grocery store. When everyone comes down here, like, oh, I got to go get a pub sub. They opened the store an hour earlier from 6 to 7 for only senior citizens. And this was their way, Justin, of saying, hey, we're going to keep you safe. But I drove by the Publix at like 630. And I, at the time, I didn't realize. I'm like, oh, my, why is Publix so packed? I mean, it was packed. I mean, the parking lot was overly packed. I was just driving by. And I found out what it was. Isn't that the worst idea possible? It's like, hey, all you people who are successful to dying from this, all of you come here at one time within one hour and completely pack this store and be close to each other. I feel like they're I, I feel like that is making it worse. Is Publix trying to kill off the old people? Hey, hey, you know all you people that are like literally more susceptible to everything? We're gonna give you more time to go to the grocery store. And be in contact with each other throughout the entire day. I know what the idea is, is they can get in there while the store's clean. But I, I, I'm i just having a hard time believing that they like really are scrubbing everything down. Like the bags that people have touched before. It just seems like a horrible idea that like they're killing the old people. And did I not say, Justin, and I'm, I don't know if I said this on the podcast. But I was like, if we're going to do this thing, let's do this thing. If we're not, let's not. Let's not play this middle game. And this, trust me, I'm not going to give you my advice. But after not even two weeks in, the conversation is, well, is it better off to just let old people die so the economy doesn't go down? I told you, people are not going to be able to last doing this. And the conversation is already happening. Well, that's the conversation you're having. I don't know if that's the conversation that other people are having. It's on the news. Which- people, it's, You don't watch the news. 
I um, they're not they're I, not having a utilitarian argument on the news of what's the greatest benefit, even though it might have like a like a bad outcome for a few people. They're not having that conversation on the news. They are. I'm telling you, Justin. I'll show you the clips. They are. All right. Well, shoot shoot me in the foot and call me Charlie. I told you. Just two weeks in, we're having this this conversation. Anyways, Justin. Yeah, hey, if you're a if you're a first time listener of Talking Giants, welcome. Um, this is a show where we talk about the Giants. Uh, we did have an interview with Dan Duggan at the Athletic, who's wonderful. They do wonderful work at the Athletic. Uh, Bobby, do we do we have like just like two things to get to so we can so we can actually throw to something of substance? <laughs> two things. Come on, let's do it. We could do it. <laughs> Giants signed cornerback Drayvon Askew Henry who went, uh, played at West Virginia. He was with the Steelers in preseason and then obviously was in XFL, uh, most famously known for throwing the penalty flag back at the ref. I watched the fourth quarter of a Steelers preseason game. Eh, I mean, he's all right. Um, he looked pretty good going against four stringers. Um, nothing nothing blows you away. I, people are saying he's going to compete for the nickel spot. Maybe he is. I'm, I'm underplaying it. But it just reminds you of like Henry Tolliver, who we signed from the AAF last year, who was a DB. I don't. I don't see. I don't think he's going to make the roster. Although nickel, there's really no one there that's like, hey, this is this is the spot that this is this is my spot. So, any any takes on on Drayvon Askew Henry? Askew sounds like you're sneezing, or it sounds like I'm Askew. Can I, I, I Justin? I will ask you oh. if you have any takes. Mm, I like that better. No, I have no takes. Uh, I'm very happy for you that you found a preseason game to watch of his. Uh, I like that clip that you found and you shared about him throwing the flag. Uh, did he get penalized for throwing the flag because it did hit the official? Yes. Okay, great. So I, what I thought was funny is I didn't say anything negative about him, but some people are like, why are you trying to make it seem like what, like he's this problem? Culture problem. Like, One, I didn't. I didn't make it seem like anything. I literally said, welcome to the team and shared the clip. And and they're like, the ref threw to him. It's, it's like, that wouldn't happen in the NFL. It's like, no, it does happen in the NFL. <laughs> the red, the flag does hit players in the NFL. And if they throw it back, they get penalized. That's, I just thought it was funny that people were like getting mad at me for that. Um, but like I said, I watched the one fourth quarter. He had some undercuts, but he also was playing 10 yards off, which is like extremely hard to judge corners when they're playing 10 yards off. So, um, because it was the fourth quarter of a preseason game. So, like I said, I'm not going to give you a whole lot of substance, but we'll, we'll see him in training camp. Will we do a player profile preview on Drayvon Askew Henry? No, we're going to have a, uh, a PPP on Drayvon Askew Henry. I'm just going to tell you right now that we're not. Oh, I, I, but I want to um, th- I want to challenge myself to think of like three more jokes about him or something like that. Doesn't matter. I mean, you can do that by yourself, but we're just—I could do that going on an episode. I could, I'm gonna—I'm gonna do that on Twitter. My Twitter has been a mess lately. It's been like I'm like holding content away from the public between doing different things for the summer and then also the draft. So it's been just me and random thoughts that spew out of my brain on Twitter lately. And I'm glad everybody's like along for the ride. So, for example, I'm gonna—I'm gonna read you a tweet that I had today where I think top five lists are like the stupidest things ever. And I promise we'll get to days of our giants right after this. But I think top five lists are the stupidest things ever, and it's too—it's too like first take for me to take it too seriously. So here's what I have: Top uh, Stefan Diggs tweeted out top five wideouts to ever play the game. Go: Sonoris Moss, Devin Thomas, Ramsey's Barden, Ruben Randall, and Tim Carter. And you cannot dispute Tim that. Tim Carter is a deep cut, and I love it. 
Yeah, I did a serious one, but I threw plaques in there as a joke. And people were like, are you serious? People didn't get it. It's like, no, I'm not serious. That's the joke. Anyways, I had a rant I was going to do, Justin. I was kind of ticked off, but then I was, I, you know, and I tell myself, don't let, don't let 10 people form what we do on the show. But it's just, it's funny, Justin, the more that we don't watch Daniel Jones is the more we critique him, you know, like that too, when he had the ankle injury. That's when all the, the Giants should draft another person and Giants fans were talking about if they would draft a, a QB, whether Herbert or Tua or whoever. It happened when he wasn't playing and then he comes back and he throws five touchdowns against Washington and all that goes away. But now that we are away from the season, that one that one person, Justin, he, he made the clip of all Daniel Jones bowed, uh, deep throws on the outside and like put out a stat and said, his, like, he's got a weak arm. And it was so obvious that this guy... He's just, he's like, and you go through his Twitter. He's just literally like looking for bad things to post. It's like, okay, if you want to do that, post the good throws. Because some of his best throws were in there. The Darius Slayton versus Tampa. Darius Slayton versus Minnesota. Um, Washington. Some of his looks like Golden Tate uh, against the Patriots. It's like the weak arm thing has been debunked. Now, when I say that, people are like, oh, you think he has some huge arms? Like, no, I don't think he has a Josh Allen, Brett Favre arm. But he doesn't have this noodle arm that people said pre-draft. Like I said, find me a throw where his weak arm got in trouble. The only two from the entire season is the the two Philly ones in the rain. If you want to talk about his throws and bad weather, then we can have a conversation. But the whole weak arm thing. Anyways, I thought I was going to rant on that, which I kind of did. But I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let a few people control control what I talk about, Justin. It's just funny that the more we get away from watching Daniel Jones is like the – People are very influential, is that's what I'm saying. Influential. We haven't watched Daniel Jones. We haven't seen him with our eyes for two, three months now. And people see one tweet and it's like, Do you have you forgotten all the work I've done? I was like, I'm gonna maybe I should retweet the deep ball thread where it's like, no, we went through this. We debunked this stuff. He he's really accurate at the deep ball. That's why we call him Danny Dimes, is because he is very accurate with the deep ball. Yeah. Affirmative. I'm with you. Preach it. Do should I preach? It? I'm just saying. It, preach it. I get aggravated. It's one of those things where the further we get away from watching him, is the more we critique him. And I get it's the off season and people need to nitpick at stuff. But it's and like, you've said it before. The dudes. The dudes not going to clap back. Yeah, he never will. And it's it's literally some. Anyway. Shut him out. QB data mine. Dude, dude. I don't. I, a... I didn't. I couldn't remember his name. It's just people make up stats. Like accuracy percentage is not a stat. Like they people don't take into account. It's like okay, you have a safety covering over the top, and so it's like I can't lead my wide receiver all the way, or this gets picked off. And like remember in the first quarter, the throw to Golden Tate, where Golden Tate has to turn around and jump, and it barely like goes over his fingertips. And it's like see, really inaccurate throw, and it wasn't a great throw. But it's like if he leads Golden Tate, Golden Tate is either dead or that ball gets intercepted. So he th- threw it where only his guy could get a shot on it. But it's going to be people like, oh, look, look how inaccurate. It's like, no, you, it's just I get aggravated, Justin, and I know I like analytics, even though some people think I hate them. But I just think some people just get overly like into this, and it's like, no, you're not understanding the context of this. So I said I wasn't going to rant about it. I ranted about it. You did. You made your point. It's a good point, and we did it. We're pro- tell you what, Bobby, it's probably going to be a point that we're going to come back to again and again and again and again, especially as 
uh, his career goes on because the lame duck arm is something that he, you know, it came out of, it came out of school with them. Probably not something that's going to get dropped, but also guess what? Josh Allen gets this reputation for being this guy that can, that has a huge arm. Well, guess what? He has a huge arm, but he has a terrible completion percentage throwing the ball down deep. So terrible. He is literally terrible doing the thing that he is best at doing. So, I, I don't want to hear it. I, I really don't want to hear it. You don't need to. You don't need to have a quarterback in today's game that can throw the ball seventy yards down the field. Be careful trusting these people that do these studies. Listen, I'm not doing every other guy, so I can't go to compare. But the guy who did the deep ball study, and I'm not, I'm not bashing him, but he had five less throws of Daniel Jones on there, and they it was like five less throws and five less completions. Where like say the number was twenty four of fifty four. He had 19 of 49. I'm not saying that's a number, but that's why I always put video with my stuff. It's like, hey, if you don't think this counts, then don't count. That's why with the with the drops at Duke, I was like, hey, if you don't think this is a drop, don't think it's a drop. But here is the video. And I only put clear cut ones. All right, Justin, enough ranting. We hadn't talked Daniel Jones in a while. I figured I figured we'd do it. Go listen to our Daniel Jones review from a couple months ago. Uh, that that was fun. We spent like 40 minutes on the kid. Justin, we got Dan Duggan. Should we do Giant Stories? The Days of Our Giants? Um, we haven't really decided on a name on, on the segment yet. We decided on a name. You're just you're just hesitant to go with the one that's better. Yeah, let's do uh, Days of Our Giants. Let's do it. Uh, we may call it Giant Stories. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, we, it, it is looking at the Instagram stories. All right, Justin, are you ready? It'll be three years into this segment, and we'll still be going back and forth on, you know, it kind of is looking at Instagram stories, but it should be called Days of Listen, Our Giants. Yes, I'm ready. I'm trying listening I'm trying listening to you. I just, you know, it's my segment. I like the name I had, but I'm, I'm trying to be open. All right, let's do it. John Hilleman and Darius Slayton had an Instagram Live, which we will have to talk about, Justin. Sterling Shepard was making music. Leonard Williams was fishing at the beach with his dog. And Caden Smith was fishing, not at the beach, in a boat. Golden Tate was playing virtual golf and bike riding. Who says he's not white? John Halapia was playing Candyland with some of his family, which is a very underrated game. I don't even know if John Halapio should be on this list anymore. Corey Coleman as well went fishing. Cody Latimer announces that he's having a daughter. Congrats to the Latimer family. And Saquon Barkley and Grant Haley were doing a home workout together. All right, Justin, this is, is this segment is becoming dry because of quarantine, that even if they're doing stuff, they can't post because people get mad at them. But, I mean, what piqued your interest out of this? Saquon Barkley probably made some money while he was working out because he wore that T-shirt that says Hulu has live sports. So, big-time win for him. Saquon's been tweeting a lot more. Do we think that it's him, though? No, it's him. I can tell. It's, you can tell when it's him and when it's not. So, I have to do this this. Darius Slate and John Hillman, they did an Instagram live together. So it was like it was like a Sunday night. So I clicked on it. And so they're joking around or whatnot. I, I think I made a joke about Hillman and they're like, oh, we it's like dang and people started making jokes. And then Hillman's like, whoever makes the best joke, he's like, I'm I'll I'll go and follow you and shout you out. 
And so I did one, and I'll be honest, Justin, I kind of pulled some from our high school football days because I know it makes uh, certain people laugh. And so I, I pulled out a few, and I got shouted out on a couple, but the one that got the most love and the one that he said was the funniest was, I was like, I was like, Hillman breath smell like shoulder pads. And they thought that was hilarious. It's not the funniest joke, but they thought it was hilarious. <laughs> like, that's the funniest joke. And they're like, who did the shoulder pad joke? And after a while, they're like, all right, that was the funniest one. They're like, who did the shoulder pad joke? And this kid, Justin, said, I was doing the shoulder pad joke. I was doing the shoulder pad joke. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm, you know, formations and personnel. For real. And he's, he's like 12, so I'm not, I was going to like bring up his Instagram and say, go um, online harass him, but it's like, you know, formations it would be me. No, we, he's too young to do that, Justin. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. And then so I look at his profile. And he DM'd John Hilleman saying, I was the one who had the shoulder pad joke and started talking with John Hilleman. I'm going to whoop your ass, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> the drops have to stop. <laughs> this is a great story. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, kid. How do you live with yourself taking credit for a joke you didn't tell? I was blown away. So I, I DM'd him. And I was like, dang, bro, you really stealing jokes. And I said, and he's like, shut up. You're not even a giant. Like, like he was a kid. So I couldn't get too mad at him. But it's a, it, it's a, it's a, it's a bad world out there, man. The people are just flat out stealing jokes right in front of you. That's my favorite comeback to like, look, like kids have like very specific comebacks. And oh, you're not even a Giants fan is one of the like go to ones. It's like, if I don't know what to say and if I'm in a grind, you're not even a Giants fan. I'm a bigger fan than you are. How do you do that? He posted it on his Instagram story saying, I got to talk with John Hillman, which don't get me wrong. I'm not worried about getting clout from John Hillman. We interviewed him. Um, we talked about it on the last interview, how boring he I'm was. I'm a boring person. Um, so I'm not mad that I didn't get the credit. I just couldn't believe this kid was like stealing a joke. Congratulations to uh, Cody Latimer and family. Uh, Cody Latimer, I consider Cody Latimer a friend of the program. Um yeah, you know, we 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 like we like a few tweets. The ant, the ant follows everyone. I, had, on I interviewed Twitter. him on Simple Man Radio. Yeah, so he is a friend of the program, definitely. Yeah, he was a, he was a good interview too. That's wonderful, great guy. He's a free agent though. I don't know. I don't know if he's back. No, um, probably fishing. Fishing is like the one thing that has been deemed as acceptable during quarantine. So that's everyone's doing the push up challenge. So the first few I had that on there, I was like, okay, everyone's doing push ups. Tate is being as white as can be, playing virtual golf and going on bike rides. Justin, I found the clip of me singing the Blues Clues song that I was looking for for like 20 minutes on our last episode. I, I think we should I think we should save it. I think we should save it. We're running long. For, for when? I think we should save it for Friday's show. And you know what I'm talking about. Friday's show. This is Friday's show. I'm, ne- all right, show. then never mind. We should save it for Monday's show then. Why? We're not doing mailbag on Monday. I, I, it, you're not, you're not picking up what I'm putting down, and that's fine. I'm playing it. Mail time, mail time, mail time. The mail's here. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me wanna wag my tail when it comes. I wanna wail. Oh my gosh, that was very cringeworthy. I tried to do the Blues Clues mail thing, and like halfway through, I'm like, everybody is cringing and embarrassed for me in their microphone. All right, let's do mail. This is like the, I guess maybe it's because it's new, but it's the part of the show I look forward to the most. Danny, 
open up the mail. The mail's here. It never fails. I'm wagging my tail, and I just wailed. <laughs> mail time. I just and wailed. The show is so ghetto to start off, man. When I was recording all this on my phone. I do enjoy going back and listening to those old ones when I'm looking for something. What episode was that? Like, man, I don't remember. It was episode 24. There we go. Jeff Gordon. Shout out. And then I found this clip of this old lady making this sound. And, and, and I ran real fast and I hit my bed. <laughs> Anyways, Justin. All right. So, so should we kick it to the Dan Duggan interview? That was probably the longest and most excruciating opening segment to a show before. Now, first of all, this interview is fantastic. This interview is great. This interview is fantastic. Dan Duggan really gives some insight that we cannot actually give you. Like he actually does give insight where it's really worth sticking around. It's really worth listening to uh, about just the league and the Giants in general, about where the league and where the Giants could be going with the unforeseen circumstances with the virus, uh, including some Leonard Williams tidbits, Joe Judge tidbits, Gabe Dave Gettleman tidbits. So very, very interesting time, but that was that was an excruciating about twenty minutes that we just spent, Bobby Skinner. I, f- I feel sorry if you're if you're listening to this. Well, Justin, here's the thing: is we we should be having a full interview on on Monday or Tuesday, and then after that, it is two straight months of various serious content. I mean, it's very X's and O's, like very real conversations. We start our draft previews next week, and we just, I mean our free agency stuff was extremely serious stuff. So I figured we get 20 minutes of silliness before we do a very serious interview with Duggan. So here it is of The Athletic, my favorite beat reporter, Dan Duggan. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we now welcome on to the program. Haven't had him on since before the season. One of the first guests on the show of The Athletic. Covers the Giants, Dan Duggan. Dan, what's going on, my man? Not much. Just uh, getting adjusted to uh, quarantine life here. So a little more time for podcasting and then all this type of fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, is that how you're getting, like, how are you dealing with it? Are you just getting into work way much, way more? And also, everyone has a solution for it. Do you have a quick solution on how to stop the coronavirus? <laughs> I'll take the easier part of that question first. Um <laughs> Yeah, life, I mean, really, work-wise, life isn't that much different for me because at this time in the calendar, I'd be working from home and, you know, free agency, as we know, is is done all, you know, digitally. You don't have to do any of that stuff in person. So it hasn't really been a a drastic change on my end. The bigger change is the fact that my wife, who typically works, you know, in an office, and my daughter, who is typically at daycare, have been joining me all day. So you you very well well may hear a two-year-old try and uh, barrel down the door um, at some point during this interview, but... So that's been the biggest adjustment. And, you know, like everyone else, I mean, you're just kind of getting adjusted. But it was definitely a tough kind of timing to have the, the craziness of free agency where there's, you know, just news going nonstop, you know, with that uh, adjustment to have everybody home. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, stopping it, I'm certainly not going <laughs> to delve too deep uh, out of my uh, <laughs> out of my depths here. But, I mean, I think what we're doing now seems like it's the, it's the best uh, approach. So I, I guess the question becomes, you know, how long uh, do we have to sort of stay in this this mode? But, you know, I, I don't know where exactly you guys are, but, you know, where I'm in New York City, uh, I think it's going to be a while because we're kind of, you know, sort of at the, at the center of things. So, uh, yeah, I think this is just going to have to sort of get used to this. Cause I think that's how my life is going to be for uh, the foreseeable future. Dan, we just need you to tell people to wash their hands because people have, an, have like a, a need to give people advice. So you just have to tell people to wash their hands because they – they haven't heard that yet, but we appreciate you, we appreciate you coming on. 
So the Giants made a lot of changes, and we'll get into all that. But, I mean, you were formerly with NJ.com and the Star Ledger. Then you made the move to the Athletic. And I'm sure you've gotten this question a lot, but talk about the transition and how the Athletic has allowed you to be more creative as a writer and reporter. I, I think, you know, you've been with the Giants for a few, or covering the Giants for a few years and kind of walk us through that before we get into it all. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So I've been covering the Giants, just finished my fourth season. I did the first two seasons at NJ.com. And then, uh, you know, basically I just had my two year anniversary at the Athletic. You know, not to say anything bad about NJ.com. I mean, it was, it was a good job and it, it certainly opened this door for me. And, uh, you know, learned a lot there, but uh, I'm, you know, the athletic is kind of, I think a lot of people, you know, when I first came around, I thought like, this sounds too good to be true from a journalist perspective, but it, you know, it really lived up to everything I thought it would be as far as, uh, like you said, giving us the freedom to be more creative. I don't have to rush to get 300 words up about like Nate Ebner signing just to get a couple of clicks. You know, you're allowed to go much more in depth with stuff. And so, I mean, everything about it has really been, you know, phenomenal. Um, the response has been great. I mean, you still get people like, oh, I'll never pay for, you know, stuff I can get everywhere else. But I think people who have subscribed, you know, find that you probably can't get the exact same stuff that we're doing. And not to say that in like an egotistical way, like we're not reinventing the wheel, but it's just I've been at both sides of it where the demands were clicks at NJ.com and uh, it's totally different here. And, and I just know I'm able to produce better work on a, on a daily basis with uh, sort of the expectations. So and the last thing I'll plug, if you see since I opened the door for me here. Uh, we actually have a 90-day free trial, so I know it maybe not help people who are already subscribers, um, but if you're on the fence, I mean, there's no better time to jump in. I know it's kind of an awkward time because there's not a lot of sports going on, um, but we're still cranking out the coverage. And and again, like I said right at the top, for football, this isn't really that much different. I mean, it'll certainly get affected, um, you know, as we get into the spring and certainly the summer, and, and then who knows beyond that. But for this time period right now, uh, it's it's still kind of business as usual, as crazy as it seems with everything else that's going on. Yeah, I definitely, I've been in love with The Athletic for a few years now, uh, even going back to when Lindsay Adler joined The Athletic. I'm also a big Yankee fan, and Lindsay Adler does great work with The Athletic as well. Um, so we were talking about the, the virus and kind of like the implications of the virus in your own personal life and stuff like that, but I kind of want to talk about it as it relates to the Giants as well. This is obviously an ever-changing situation, but I know I am definitely one that is concerned about uh, the Giants having the proper time to practice and get together as a team this spring and summer. So what are some things that you may be hearing or some things that you could share in regards to how much spring workouts may be impacted by the virus and if it may impact training camp in the season at all? Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're, you know, very early and one thing I've, you know, I think the NFL has sort of been a little more reactionary. They haven't got out in front of everything. They've sort of crossed every bridge as they've come to it. So uh, it's hard to really forecast what could happen to you know training camp in the season. I know some people around the league, um, you know, have speculated that you know might, it's going to be impossible. But you know, none of us are doctors, and you know, listening to you know what the experts say. So I think it's, that's a lot of kind of forecasting. But in the in the more near term, you know, I know the league finally came out and did you know set some guidelines where every facility has to be closed till April eighth. So right out of the gates there, I mean, the Giants are supposed to open their offseason program April 6th. Now, I mean, if they if everything back to business as usual on April 8th, then that's certainly not a big uh, handicap. But I think we all are aware it's probably not going to be the case. Uh, I think it was important for the league to do that, though, because I, I, I think there is sort of a, an issue that could arise where, again, you know, the Giants and the Jets are in this area where, you know, the virus is, you know, totally stalling life. But there might be, you know, I don't know, you know, in Green Bay, maybe it's not even a thing. And, and so it wouldn't be fair to let them have their program because, hey, we're not in like a shelter in place type situation. So I think it's they need to level that playing field, take that kind of out of the equation. Because I thought it was crazy 
uh, before they really locked everything down where some teams were pulling their scouts off the road. Some teams weren't like, it, it was just kind of strange. It was, you know, teams were having guys come in for visits on the last day before like the country kind of screeched to a halt. It's, it's, it didn't make sense to have it be, you know, a discretionary decision for every team. I think the league had to step in and it seems like they're kind of getting on the ball with that. Um, but I, I mean, my own opinion and, you know, talking to people that again, who are it's just their opinion, no one, you know, I'm, I'm not talking to Roger Goodell. I, I would be very surprised if they have, you know, anything close to a normal spring. I mean, maybe, they can do like a little mini camp in June or something. But it, I, I think that is a really strong possibility that, you know, guys aren't back at the facility in an official capacity, you know, until the last week in July or whenever they report for training camp. It really wow. feels like but just the way, I mean, again, that's just my opinion and, and sort of informed speculation. It just seems like where the way things are headed here, it, it might be that. I mean, again, maybe they get together in June or something. I, you know, we'll have to see how this, you know, this everything shakes out. But I definitely don't think, it's going to be anywhere near the, the full off-season program that you have in a, in a typical year. I had a panic tweet last night, and it was like, well, this is kind of serious for the Giants, knowing just how much is new for them. And some of the responses that I got back was, well, every team does have to do it. And you would hope, like you said, Dan, you would, you would hope that they can have status quo for the rest of the league. So how important, especially knowing that totally new coaching staff, a lot of turnovers are going to be happening with this Giants roster how important is that time during the spring to get together? How important is that for a team like the Giants, especially for this year? And how important this year? How much is riding on this year? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I'm typically someone who thinks spring workouts are a little bit overrated. I mean, because every year a handful of top guys hold out and people act like, you know, the sky is falling. And I think that's overstated, but it's definitely valuable for, you know, the majority of the team. So to have none at all, let's just say that's what happens, uh, that would be a big blow. And bigger in the Giants' case in the sense that they have a first-year head coach. Because if you look at the way the offseason is structured, because, again, the league wants to you know, structure things in a way that's you know, fair and equal for all 32 teams. Well, teams with a first-year head coach, they get to start their offseason program two weeks earlier, and they get a bonus minicamp. So clearly the league is acknowledging that as a first-year head coach with a new team, there are some challenges and you need more time. So let's just say you wipe that out. So then you know, the Giants get no advantage there. I think the bigger problem is, you know, at least Ron Rivera or Mike McCarthy have been NFL head coaches. So sure, it would be tough to get with a, you know new players and a new team, but at least they've kind of been through it and, and have done a lot of the troubleshooting and, and they'd be able to adapt. For Joe Judge, this was going to be his first go around anyways. He's going to be learning on the fly anyway. So now whatever preparation he might have had in his mind, you know, all these coaches kind of collect binders of schedules that they're going to enact when they finally become a head coach. Well, that's kind of out the window. So he's going to really be flying blind. And again, you know, be valuable, extra valuable to have a guy like Jason Garrett on his staff because um, it, it's, again, it's uncharted territory for everybody if we get to that point. But, man, as a first-time head coach, and as you said, a you know, roster that's going to see some turnover, um, it's going to be a big challenge. Like you said, it'll be the same for all 32 teams in, in terms of the amount of time they get, but they'd already be losing the bonus time first-year head coaches get. And as a rookie head coach, I think it just makes – the, the climb sort of that much steeper as far as playing catch up with just getting guys, you know, up to speed. Right. We know that coaches can't speak to their players. You know, obviously Joe Judge is hired, but he's not allowed to talk X's and O's with his guys. Will that still be available? Obviously it won't be the same as, you know, that extra mini camp, but will will Garrett and Jones be officially allowed to talk even though things are being pushed back? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good question. I mean I, I'm assuming with the April eighth 
kind of sort of deadline they put in place to reassess things. I would assume nothing's really going to happen until then. I mean, you're talking two days there, so I don't, and they could make that up, whatever. But I do think once they get to that point, again, like I said, the NFL sort of address things like as they come to them. I think they'll have to have some sort of provisions in place because, yeah, if you're still planning to have a season in the fall, you, you can't just say, like, we'll figure that out then. You have to still do the preparation that's, you know, like I said, on the books every year. So uh, I would assume that they'll be – like everyone else is using Zoom and FaceTime for their happy hours. I think the Giants will have to start using them for, you know, install meetings and, the, the, you know, the stuff that they're doing in the meeting rooms. Uh, I think they'll have to just do, you know, over their computers or on their phones. And, and I think that's going to be a real challenge. You know, obviously there's a benefit to doing that stuff in person, but I, I can't imagine they'll keep that type of stuff on hold. Because, again, like the free agency, like certain things here, you can still do it. It'll just be different. They'll have to adapt. Um, but I would definitely imagine if they are going to end up really scrapping the spring stuff, um, the classroom work will still be able to be accomplished, you know, whether it's through Skype or Zoom or whatever. And, you know, everyone's going to have to kind of figure out how to navigate that. But I, I think that that wouldn't be, you know, scrapped because there'd really be no reason for it to be. Right. So I, I want to move into some of the, you know, the player stuff. Leonard Williams, obviously the trade is one of the most head scratching Dave Gellman moves, if if not the most. Obviously, he was franchise tag, and that number is at a little over 16 mil. And there was a report that the annual deal, whenever it does get done, will be somewhere between 10 and 12. One, do you think Leonard Williams will play under that franchise tag? And does 12 million sound like a realistic number at all? Or is that just hoping for the best? Oh, yeah. There's so many like tentacles to this whole decision and every step of it. So I guess I'll, I'll start with the 10 to 12 figure. I mean, to me, not knowing where that report came from, Sounds like that's what the Giants are hoping. I mean, I, I don't understand if I'm Leonard Williams why I would take a deal worth, say, you know, three years, $30 million and get $10 million. Um, You know, obviously you get a little more guarantee, I guess, than that $16 million. But I look at it, if I'm Leonard Williams, I am rushing to put my, my pen on the paper to sign that tender. I and mean, you've seen that happen with uh, the, the guard, Thune, in New England. Kenyon Drake did it with Arizona. Usually guys do wait to sign these tenders. Uh, but, you know, there are exceptions like them. And I, I, if I was Williams, I'd be right in line to do that because that way you lock in that $16.1 million for 2020. Worst case scenario, that's in your pocket. Whereas we've seen with Dave Gettleman, it's rare for GMs to rescind the franchise tag. But he did it with Josh Norman not too long ago. So uh, just as a backup plan, I would I would lock it in if I was Williams. You know, I'm not quite sure why he hasn't because he still could negotiate a long-term deal after that up until July 15th, which is the same deadline he has if he doesn't sign the tender. So I would just sign the tender uh, and then go from there as far as negotiations. I mean, the reason why guys don't sign the tender, there's really two main reasons. One is you can't be traded until you sign the tender. So a guy, if he signs it, they can get traded anywhere. If he holds out on signing it, he can dictate where he goes. But you know, there's no talk and there's no indication that they would try to trade Leonard Williams. So I don't even think that's a consideration. And then the other option is, if you hold out uh, without signing your tender, you can't get fined. And obviously a holdout is pretty much the biggest weapon a player has. As soon as you sign that tender, if, if you then hold out for a long-term deal, well, now the team can find you. So, you know, I, but even that, I don't think Leonard Williams strikes me as a guy who is going to hold out. It's sort of telling that this was sort of a, a curveball because no one even asked him about it. You know I mean? I, I know that Landon Collins got asked you know, a million times, how do you feel playing on the tag, this and that uh, a year ago. But Leonard Williams, I don't think any of us even re- – it's kind of a bad job by us as beat reporters. No one even really thought it through that, oh, they're probably going to tag him because I think we just assumed either they'd come to a deal or hit the market. I, I guess, you know, this was – they kind of split the baby and, and at least locked him in for this year. But 
Uh, it's really going to be interesting to see, you know, how this unfolds. I mean, again, if I'm him, I got $16 million guaranteed. I'm 25 years old. He's already made 30 million. I, I might take a one year quote unquote, prove it deal at 16 million, hit the market again next year at 26. You know, you're not going to get franchise tag twice in a row. You have hopefully have a better year because you really didn't have, you know, a big contract year, you know, despite the trade, um, you know, Gettleman saw something, but the rest of the league, I don't think was going to, you know, pony up big time. He might boost his value. Guy with no big injury concerns. Like, so to me, it's a no brainer. You sign that deal and then, Hey, you want to negotiate long-term? Sure. Start at 16 million and let's talk because uh, it'd be crazy for it to take a deal. that's going to get him 10 million a year. Again, if he's got 16 in his pocket and the ability to hit the market next year. And again, if cap's going to go up, he has a big year. Well then, you know, we're going up from 16 million. So, uh, I, I thought it was odd they used the franchise tag instead of the transition tag. At least, you know, again, I, I really feel like that number sort of set the baseline and negotiations from the player side. So, set the, set the baseline at 13 million instead of 16 million. Uh, I guess they just were, I don't know, they wanted to keep him, you know, really off the market completely. <clears throat> Didn't want any other teams to make an offer, I guess. But I don't think the risk was that great uh, that some team was going to, you know, blow Leonard Williams away with an offer that the Giants, you know, just wouldn't be able to match with the cap base they had. Uh, but obviously they elected to go this way. So yeah, to, to kind of wrap up my point, if I'm Leonard Williams, I'm signing that franchise tender and Hey, we can talk all the way up to July 15th. And hopefully we get a, you know, a five-year deal for hundred million if I'm Leonard Williams. Uh, but I'm, I'm in no rush to sign anything that's going to be, you know, 10 to 12 million a year. Uh, Cause I think he's just in a good position to potentially cash in again next year. If he has a good year on the tag. Right. And like you said, I mean, even I, I think Leonard Williams is a good player, but obviously the trade is just kind of head scratching. But his stat was he kind of had one of his worst years. I mean, he's had some really good stat years, and this one was the worst with just a half a sack. And I know people talk about the devaluing of sacks, but they at the end of the day, getting getting the job done matters when it comes to it. But do you think Clowney is influencing it? I mean, we saw Jordan Jenkins, who was rumored at 13 mil, take 5 mil, and I, I get t- staying home with the Jets, but that's a hell of a, of, a, of a pay cut from what he originally wanted. And then Golden, like, is we don't see anything with him. Is there... Do you think we'll see once Clowney does something, we'll see kind of a domino effect with a few of these guys? Well, yeah, I think Clowney is probably holding up Golden a little bit because, um, you know, I think everyone thought Clowney was going to be 20 million plus and sounds like he's not getting anything close to that. And now I think he's kind of backing himself into a corner where he's probably going to take a one year, you know, again, you don't even think of prove a deal like in the $15 million range, but it seems like he might just have to do something like that and try to hit the market again next year. I mean, I think he's a guy who maybe got hurt by some of the restrictions with not being able to get physical because he's had some medical question, uh, you know, question marks throughout his past. But I think once he signs, it should, you know, just sort of everyone would just kind of, you know, fall in line after that. You've seen a little bit where, uh, you know, Robbie Anderson signed and then boom, boom, boom. A lot of wide receivers have signed in the last 24 hours. Um, you know, you mentioned Jenkins. He's a guy that, you know, there was reports of the Giants had interest and that his market was like 13 million a year. And then he signed a one year, $5 million deal to go back to the Jets. So, uh, I think Marcus Golden went into this free agency thinking he was going to get something, you know, north of ten million. Seemed like he probably didn't find anything close to that. Uh, you know, I think the Giants would gladly take him back. I don't know that they even have enough money to offer him that. You know, I think he could probably beat whatever they're going to offer elsewhere. Uh, but you certainly can't rule it out because again, as the music kind of stops on free agency and, and there's less chairs available, or some team feels like, oh, we're going to just go draft the guy. Uh, you never know. He could be left without a seat and just coming back to a place he's familiar with. You know, might hold some appeal. Uh, again, I still don't think that's the most likely outcome. But, yeah, I definitely think, you know, Clowney, you know, signing would impact the edge rush market. I'm not so sure it would, uh, you know, have a big impact on Williams just because, you know, it's sort of different players, different positions. 
Um, you know, there have been a lot of like defensive tackles and, you know, players of Williams' ilk have signed, whether it's, you know, Javon Hargrave or DJ Reader. I know they're not, you know, exact duplicate players, but I think a little more comparable than, than Clowney. Um, yeah, a lot of those uh, defensive tackles, defensive linemen got, you know, deals in the $13 million a year range. I would think that's where Williams will fall. But again, they gave him that franchise tag. So if I'm him, I'm, I'm starting higher than that. So I don't know that a guy like Clowney is going to have much of an impact on Williams' asking price. You started with NJ.com, like we said, but you started back in 2016. That's the same year Ben McAdoo entered into his first year as a new, as, as coach. You've been able to see how these last two coaching changes have gone. So now what are the vibes that you're getting with Joe Judge and how might they be different from the previous regimes? Well, I mean, I think it's, it's obviously kind of premature to uh, probably make any strong statements on that because we haven't even seen Joe Judge with a whistle around his neck yet in East Rutherford. Um, I think he really did a, a good job in that opening press conference. And I think it's such an overused cliche that so-and-so won the press conference. But I think when you're Joe judge, who's, you know, been a special teams coordinator and not a household name around the league, he really had to win that press conference. And I, I definitely, think he set a, a tone and I was at the senior bowl and I was at the combine and just talking to people around the league. I think they were impressed by him. Um, you know, I don't think that, you know, Pat Shermer or Ben Mackett, who ever had like that most commanding presence, but you know, it's such so early. It's, it's totally the honeymoon phase. Um, so I, I, you know, I guarantee if you go back to social media and message boards, people were super excited about Ben McAdoo in, <laughs> in March of 2016 and, and, and Pat Shermer in March of 2018. Yeah, you always feel like you have the right guy. It's very rare that the fan base is saying, oh, I don't know about this guy. Because we can't forget, I mean, <clears throat> Judge is definitely a, a big question mark. 38 years old, never been a head, time, uh, a head coach. Again, I think the special teams coordinator thing isn't, you know, really a knock, but it is a rare route for guys to travel to, to be a head coach. So um, th there's definitely a lot of question marks. I, my biggest question mark for him is how he's going to be with players because that, like, smash mouth, like, I'm going to be, like, tough and, and all that stuff sounds great at the podium and it's what you want your football team to be. But we just saw, even with Matt Patricia and Darius Slay, it's a minefield to navigate an NFL locker room and an NFL meeting room with big egos and guys who have uh, sort of been there, done that. Now, <laughs> Gettleman has kind of gutted the, the roster of any of the guys who might have been a problem. Like, I think if Joe Judge got hired two years ago and Pat Shermer did, and he walked in with Olivier Vernon and Odell Beckham and Damon Harrison, Jason Pierre-Paul, like on and on and on, Eli Apple, George Jenkins, all these guys, I think it would have been a disaster. I do not think those types of guys would have responded well to him. But for better or worse, you know, all of those big personalities are pretty much gone. I and mean, you'd be hard-pressed to even really find too many veterans who could bristle at Joe Judge because they're all basically, you know, guys on their rookie contract here. So uh, it'll probably feel like a continuation of college. But that is one thing I'm curious. I mean, this new CBA, I'm sure Joe Judge wasn't thrilled when that passed. But basically, it's going to become like flag football all offseason where he wanted to strap on the pads every day. But it will be interesting to see because he is definitely going to drive players hard. And I know fans will say, yeah, that's what it should be. There's a fine line. These are professionals. They, you know, it's not high school kids, not college kids. So we'll see if he's able to find that that throttle where you don't just have everyone hating you like Matt, Matt Patricia in Detroit, seemingly. Uh, you know, and, and again, I think Judge has, you know, has, has a pretty good personality. He's like a smart guy, so uh, you know, maybe he'll figure it out. But that's something I'm super curious to monitor uh, how that kind of hard driving style last you know day after day especially if it's a long season um you know you, you could certainly run the risk of having guys tune you out so that'll be something to be really interesting to watch but overall I, I definitely think the first impression uh you know you made a really good one yeah it's one of those things where 
if you win, it's awesome and it works. But if you're losing, it's one of those things that fall apart. But you, I agree with you where the one difference than most teams is there's really almost no veterans besides guys that were you know signed in free agency this year. Um, and I did go back and look at Shermer's presser after judges just to compare, and it was definitely the exact opposite. And I'm not even saying that in a negative way. I mean, they were loose. You guys were loosey goosey. He was cracking jokes. It, it was definitely like total opposite. It was almost going from like Carroll, Pete Carroll to Belichick with the Patriots. Um, and and we saw how things kind of went bad with Shermer at the end, and and um, he couldn't really say anything without getting just lit up. But with Gettleman, Gettleman now he has he's kind of change into a dog but with his tail between his legs and not making those jokes anymore because he knows you know if he says one thing it's going to be held against him for a few years and basically i mean and that comes with the job as much as it might annoy people that being said do you see this as working because they're probably not going to win this year i mean maybe you could be realistic like optimistic and say eight and eight or something but it also could be four and twelve or five and eleven and this cycle of not having the GM and the coach on the on on the same cycle is worrisome. No matter what you think of Gettleman, even if you think Gettleman's the greatest drafter of all time, having them on a different cycle is not a good thing. Is basically what I'm asking is, is Gettleman on the hot seat? Like if if this team doesn't perform, is he gone? Do you think? Well, if you ask me that question, you know, right after the season ended and, and he was really, you know, tiptoeing around and John Marricks, you know, sort of said like he's got to get it done this year or there's going to be a change um you know not in so many words but uh, i would have said absolutely but it feels like that tone has been dialed back a lot i think the joe judge hiring had a lot to do with that where mara even said you know i probably should have been more patient with the last two guys i'm sure that was a lot of solace to mcadoo and Shermer. but it seems like they are going to be more patient with judge you know again said it a billion times first time head coach young guy uh they can't go in expecting him to come in and win day one they have to understand that this is going to be a process and I also think their approach in free agency this year shows that it's going to be a process and that they understand that. They're not just trying to, like, squeeze as many players under the cap so they can go 9-7 and seven next year and say, hey, look at the strides you made. It feels like they're saying this is going to take a couple of years to build. Let's build it the right way, not handicap ourselves three years down the road like they did in 2016. That said, if they do go 4-12 next year, it's going to be very hard for John Power to get up there at the podium a year later and say, all right, we didn't get any better, but Dave Gettleman is still the guy. So that, that goes to your point about the GM and the coach being on different cycles. Like I think Joe Judge is going to get a long leash. And I think Dave Gettleman's leash is shorter. But at the same time, I do think if they make some sort of progress, whether it's like seven and nine, and you just kind of see, okay, I, they're going to have a lot of calf space again. I, they, they, you know, they made some good free agent signs, made some good draft picks, whatever it may be. If there's something they can point to, I think that they would prefer to keep Gettleman. Because, again, his mindset seems to have changed the way he – Use the cap space this year seemed like more of a long-term view. Um, I don't have any sympathy for Dave Gettleman because this is how we should have approached the 2018 offseason. The fact that he thought three and 13 roster inherited with Eli Manning at quarterback was somehow a couple of pieces away from making a run is uh, is baffling, and he's admitted as much really that he, he just kind of misread the situation. But so now I, now they're they're they are going to be in a dicey spot because let's just say first time head coach with everything that's gone on this offseason where they might be really you know starting behind the eight ball. It's going to be really hard to, to justify bringing Dave Gilman back if you're looking at another top five pick, another losing season. Um, so that's going to be fascinating to see if, if that is how things play out. Now, I got to ask a personal question uh, because he did change his tone, especially in that first press conference. Um, you know, wasn't joking around with you guys as much. And so I want to ask this from your point of view because one, you're in the room. Two, you don't, ha- like you said before, you don't have to write the 300 word article as soon as everything happens. 
Dave Gellman drops the computer folk line. What goes through your head? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, he's. He's. I mean, he's just not a great public speaker. I guess. I mean, maybe he's a guy if they're winning. You think is a little folksy, but it's just he. He. You know, he's gotten sensitive about it too. Though he's, you, know, you reference it like that. Like oh, I made a throwaway line one time. I mean, he like just straight up mocked analytics with the typing on the <laughs> keyboard and like. So it's it's really hard for him then to come out. You know, whatever it's now two years later. It's like oh no, I'm embracing it. And then he uses computer folks. Like, it's just so clear that he is not comfortable speaking in that, you know, that lane. And then there's guys in the front office, the Kevin Abrams and, and plenty of other people who are certainly, I'm sure, more involved on a day-to-day basis with the analytics. And I'm sure they present it to Dave in a, in a way that's easier for him to digest. Um, so, yeah, when he says the computer folks line, like, I don't, I don't remember. I probably tweeted about it. But, I mean, it was just, it was just put on a platter for everyone to make their, their jokes. And I think... You know, I think it gets over, you know, goes overboard, but he does make it very easy just the way he talks. And, and he's just kind of, he's really had this sort of condescending tone from day one, you know, the trust us, look at our resume, you know, just sort of all that stuff and the Odell silliness about we didn't sign to trade him. So he makes himself an easy target. And while he, I think, came across more humbled after the season, I don't think at 68 years old or whatever he is, he's really going to change his spot. So I assume we're still going to get some of those kind of gentlemanisms and, yeah. uh, you know, Twitter's going to have a field day. I, I, the funniest thing I saw after that was because, you know, there's the, the famous watching film with, from the Wii was, was Gettleman's four computer folks. And this is the four Wii characters. I, <laughs> I, I, I like that one pretty good. Now staying on the topic of Dave Gettleman, he's never traded back on in any round, let alone the first round. And like you reference, he may be talking a little different, but at the end of the day, he's the same person. Is there any chance that this guy trades back? I know he didn't. He didn't. He did a good job of giving a no answer at the combine on it. But do you think it's an actual possibility this year? I do. I mean, he does seem like a little bit of a change man. You know, maybe being sixty-eight and having your job hanging in the balance as a way of you know making you you know refocus and, and look at things differently. Because I mean, he gets fired here. He's not getting another GM job. So you might feel like, listen, if this is what I do to keep my job, maybe I will listen to the computer folks and uh, and whoever else. Because uh, like I said, the approach to free agency struck me as a drastic difference from the way he's done business and the way the Giants have done business. So someone's voice is in there. Again, whether that's maybe Kevin Abrams has been screaming in the, in the room for 20 years and just no one listened to him, or it's the Joe Judge influence and the, hey, this is how we do things in New England. It feels like there's you know some new ideas and we're not just going to do it the Giants way because it's always worked because obviously it hasn't worked for a while now. And I think that there's some real recognition from John Mara it kills him more than anybody when the team is playing the way it's gone the last you know seven eight years. So uh, I think that they are open to doing things differently. I mean, it is really remarkable. Jerry Reese never traded back. Dave Gettleman, I think it's seven drafts, never traded back. I mean, it is a clearly a philosophical thing. I'd have to go back to a Corsi. I don't think he did very much, if at all. Um, so it, it's it's just something that is not part of that you know GM tree. They just don't they don't believe in it, but. You know, as we know, Judge comes from New England. I mean, you know, Belichick is is swapping draft picks you know, all day, and, and I think that you know, if, if ever there was an opportunity to do it, it's this year. You know, they have a quarterback, so you, you know they can afford to trade back. They don't need to stay there to get like one player. If they trade back a few spots, whether it's an offensive tackle or Isaiah Simmons, whoever, like they'll still be a quality player there. Uh, you always have to find uh, the right match. I mean, I keep looking at the Chargers at six as like an ideal match, assuming. You know, the quarterback they want is there. Miami is still a five. You got to get ahead of Miami to get the guy. But 
the the big sort of variable in all of this is Detroit because they're three and you know, presumably they're not in the quarterback market. So if I really want, let's say, Tua, I'm probably not trading to four. I'm probably trading to three. And if that happens, then maybe the Giants pick has a lot less value. And knowing Dave Gettleman, he'd probably be happy just to stay at four, get that pick in five seconds after the uh, they come on the clock. But I do think it's not just lip service when he says, you know, we're open for business. I, I definitely think he's more open to it than ever before. And if it's going to happen, you know, this year is really lined up to be the time for him to finally do it. Yeah. Bobby and I are both, as of right now, we're kind of on the trade back train. So, you know, we, Dave Gettleman had the line of, you know, we're hoping that it's not just lip service of we're open for business. And also John Maris, something that stuck out to me, is especially when John Maris says it, you know, John Maris says this is not business as usual for the New York football giants. So, Hopefully it's not. Hopefully we're open, but also the the scenario that could happen within the top three and then also the teams behind us. It's absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating just to look at these quarterbacks. And I'm enjoying even looking at these quarterbacks with not having the pressure of, oh, we need to actually take one. So that's been fun. But one final Dave Gettleman question. This is a very quick one. Very quick Dave Gettleman question. You went to school up in Massachusetts and you've been covering Dave Gettleman for a few years now. You heard him spoke a few times, maybe once or twice. Can you give us a quick little Dave Gettleman accent impersonation? Not only did I go to school, I'm from, I'm from Boston. I grew up there. I moved down to New York uh, when I was like 28 years old. So I lived like my whole life in Boston. And I can say this, I never heard anyone pronounce the word corner, kana, in my whole life. So I don't know. <laughs> he is like from a deeper part of Boston than even I am. Because listen, I used to... You know, park the car. I used to do all that, but Kana is that's out. That's out of my vocabulary, out of my glossary. I don't know where he came up with that one. He is he is true blue. I mean, he's been out of Boston for like 40, 50 years. I don't know how it's still so thick, but uh, I mean, he is. It's it's a whole other level. Yeah, I bet it's a little more a... off-putting in Carolina. Well, I know I think they liked it probably more there because it's like, oh, here comes the you know the the Yankee or whatever you know the Northerner down here. I think it plays much worse in New York. It's like it's, it's honestly. I think subconsciously I lost some of my Boston accent because I said to myself, I'm going to be going on New York radio and TV and stuff. I can't be talking mm. to because, you know, the, the <laughs> New Yorkers, I kind of really take too kindly to that. So I, Dave, you know, had no such uh, changes as he, you know, has lived most of his professional life, uh, you know, in New York. But he's, he's, he's kept it, you know, pretty thick for all these years. Well, that's great. That's great. So two more kind of quicker hitting questions for you. Who has been the player that you've enjoyed covering the most and talking to the most throughout your few years covering the team now? I think this may be kind of an easy answer and an easy question since the since there's been so much roster turnover. But um, maybe talk a little bit about Eli Manning. You know, I think everybody's enjoyed covering him. Or maybe even if there's another guy that you've enjoyed uh, covering uh, within your, your last uh, three years with the team. Oh, yeah. No, Eli definitely would not have been uh, the top of my list. No no slight to him. He was just super professional, but very businesslike. You know, you'd talk to him a little bit here and there one-on-one, um, but not a guy you really got to know because he would just sort of speak in the groups and he was always accountable. And, he, you know, but he never, you know, as everyone knows, he never really said anything. Um, so very nice, courteous guy, but always kind of kept at arm's length. I mean, it's usually the guys who are a little lower on the totem pole that are, you know, sort of always in the locker room and just sort of down to earth guys. So, um, you know, one thing I'll say with Gettleman, all this emphasis on culture, I mean, he has probably a lot of good guys in there. So it'd be sort of a long list, but I can just rattle off of, you know, a few of my favorites from, you know, which is in there shooting the breeze a lot during the uh, open locker room and, and you know, Russell Shepard's phenomenal. Uh, John Halpio's phenomenal. Michael Thomas, uh, Eli Penny, 
Sterling Shepard. I mean, a lot of these guys are really good, solid guys you can always talk to, whether it's about football, you know, about life, on the record, off the record, just good guys to to just shoot the breeze with. And um, like I said, just down to earth guys. Uh, I actually personally really enjoyed covering Odell. Uh, I think he, you know, the perception of him is very different from the outside from when you get to know him. And listen, he still does a lot of boneheaded things. I would never sit there and try to argue otherwise. But when you get to know him, you get to talk to him. He's a pretty intelligent guy. Uh, he's very charismatic. And, you know, he certainly just kind of can't seem to get out of his own way with some of his antics. But in terms of just as uh, talking to him one-on-one, um, he's, not, he's not at all sort of what I think the outside uh, perception is of him. Right. And, I, I mean, I might, I might be diff- – uh guilty of making some harsh harsh odell jokes oh <laughs> now i i will finish it off with this and, I, and i'm really interested in your point of view obviously you guys at the athletic can do things differently where you're not having to get out you're not having to get as many clicks as possible as quick as possible but something we you know we're trying to we're trying to carve our way but we're also trying to stay in our own lane i mean how do you feel about new media with with blogging you know, people who are claiming sources who might have just had some random person that worked in the team told them and it's, it's not trustworthy or self-proclaiming beat writers. I mean, is there ever a time where you get aggravated at that or, or do you just giggle at it or what? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't lose much sleep over it. I would say, like, I think there's a lot of people in legitimate, legitimate media who do a lot of stuff like that where there's a lot of hedging on stuff. Like, I'm hearing this and then we're like, this could be something to consider. And then when it happens, they sort of claim they're right. I think that all that stuff is silly. I mean, listen, I try to break every story I can. I also am fully understanding that Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, and Mike Garofalo are going to break like 98% of just the free agent transactions. And I've just learned to live with that. And I try to, you know, provide insight or, you know, angles that, you know, those guys, they're, they're banging James Bradbury three years, 45 million, and they never think about James Bradbury ever again. So I'm trying, you know, try to get to that next level or provide some insight or, or feature on, on, on a player. Um, then you, that's really where I think I can add value because, you know, I, I live and breathe this one team. I'm not trying to break every transaction. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of the, the kind of Twitter scoops are, are kind of silly and, and, and I think there's some value to it, but I, again, I think when there's sort of a, a monopoly on who's breaking that stuff, it's really kind of an uphill battle to even, to even get too far into it. I think people like, you know, I, I'm always, uh, liking your gifts during the game. I think, you know, people do like film study and stuff that differentiate yourself if you don't have to be in the locker room to do that and you also do stuff that you know a lot of people either don't have the knowledge or the time or the you know expertise whatever it is to actually do so i think that's smart i think there's a whole subset of people who've got into the sort of media world by doing stuff like that and i think that's smart and that's what's kind of cool about sort of the age we're living in yeah and it's i mean i've and i've told myself stay in your own because one thing that bothers me is when people don't you know i'm not talking about you but People who do similar things we do, and it's like, come on, man, you're you're copying what this person's doing or what I'm doing. It, 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 I get, I know, I've, I think I've even DM'd you about this. Like, hey, do you ever get aggravated? Because I'm a little easily triggered with that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, uh, but it's really, it's really nice to have someone like you who, you know, you're about as level-headed as a person as I know, and that's coming from a person who's not level-headed. Um, so <laughs> it's always, it's always nice to see your tweet. It's like, okay, I can 100%, you know, know that he's not making that up. But it was funny with the Jason Garrett stuff because it was kind of everyone kind of ha- could read in the tea leaves, and I swear about nine people said according to their sources Jason Garrett was going to be the offensive coordinator, uh, and I was just I was honestly hoping for him not to be just to watch people, yeah, you know, eat that one. But Dan, 
We appreciate you coming on. Make sure to follow Dan and at DDuggan21. Subscribe to The Athletic. Like you said before, 90-day free trial. We'll, we'll put the link into that for into the show notes. Dan, man, it's been uh, it's been a blast. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah, glad I could uh, catch up with you guys. And, uh, you know, people have nothing to do but to listen to this. I'm sitting around tired of looking at their family. So we'll provide them a little uh, entertainment. For sure. All right, thanks, Dan. The drops have to stop, Justin. All right, thanks again, Dan, for coming on. Make sure to go give him a follow if you're not already. You probably are. And and make sure to subscribe. Try that 90-day free trial with The Athletic. Even if you don't plan on renewing it, just do it and put a, a, a date on your calendar saying, hey, don't renew it. But we'll put the we'll put that link in the show notes. Remind me to send those to you, Justin. Good stuff. Informative. Justin, any uh any parting words? No. Um fun stuff planned. Uh fun stuff coming up. Draft, 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 draft. Uh stay safe. Uh, you know, as as Bobby hinted during the interview. Uh, I'm gonna Dan Duggan didn't tell you to, but I'm gonna tell you to wash your hands and uh, keep on social distancing. And uh, we'll see you. We'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week. And if you're listening to this on Thursday, interact with Opening Day Online. It's a John Boy Media thing we're doing. Wear baseball stuff. Do videos. I don't know. Watch baseball. Um, and we'll have a little bit of a, a day revolving around what was supposed to be Opening Day, which is I always looking forward to. And then we got a lot of Yankees fans. We got a lot of Mets fans. Go Yankees! And let's go, Big Blue. <laughs>